Hey everybody, this is Josh Rhodes, the host of the Retro Monster Truck Review Podcast, and I wanted to pop in here really quick right before we got started talking about Pontiac 1989 with Jason Rona. See if you guys could do me a favor. Apple iTunes has a thing where you can rate this podcast. I would really love it if you guys could give me a five-star review. Also, if you could follow me on Spotify, it just helps out with the algorithm and gets this podcast to as many eyes as possible. Without further ado, though, let's get into it and talk Pontiac 1989 with Jason Rona. Welcome to yet another edition of the Retro Monster Truck Review. Joining me again today is Jason Rona. Jason, you actually had messaged me about doing this uh, Pontiac Silverdome event from 1989. I tend to refer to this show as Kramer's Revenge. Yeah, that's probably a good way to put it. And uh, yeah, I mean, when I start to think about it a little bit, uh, it, it, it is the end. To me, it's a little bit of the end of an era, too. Um, uh, the the good old uh, USHRA shows where they had them on TV and ESPN, and the Stage Two trucks. At this point, there was no Stage Three, and mm-hmm. it was getting right to the end of sort of the good old days. And um, it was a nice way to kind of top it off. Uh, in, in my opinion, I thought I thought this was this was always one of my favorite shows as a kid to to watch and watch over again. So. Yeah, uh, I actually was more fascinated with the 88 show when I was a kid, mainly because back in the day, you, when if Bigfoot goes out in round one, your eyes get this big at that particular era. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. What just how He got beat by a Jeep? Yep. <laughs> a little yep. backstory. Jeff Bainter actually goes on to win in the Pontiac Silverdome in 88. It was February of 88. Goes on to take a win and beats Bigfoot in round number one to do so. Like I said, unheard of at the time. And now we're coming a year later. Boehner's no longer in hot stuff. He's got a brand new Jeep, high voltage, bright yellow. But hot stuff is still here with Debbie Roden behind the wheel. Yep, and that's what I remember as, as well as that uh, that '88 show. Man, I was so disappointed uh, watching that one on TV. I was just like, really, you know, uh, couldn't put this little uh, red Jeep away early. And uh, but. There was obviously some advantages to having that Jeep and those style tracks, and Jeff was a really good driver, and uh, he had, uh, you know, been been running for a while there now. You know, doing the Anaheim, I think, events, he was always there, and um, yeah, it's you just didn't see Kramer get beat that often, and and uh, but he just didn't have that great of a run, and so put him on the trailer, and. Uh, and then now back at this event with the the high voltage, uh, I think that that little yellow Jeep. I mean, I always liked the hot stuff too, but the the little high voltage. I, I really liked that yellow Jeep, and he had some cojones. Uh, oh, you had that. You that had thing. to have some cojones to drive that little short wheelbase Jeep. There's a clip of this Jeep racing Ecology Eliminator. I forget the event that it's at, but this little Jeep does a barrel roll and it's hard to believe that this truck comes out pretty much unscathed from that uh but anyway silver dome show here uh the truck lineup we got six of probably the top trucks in the country at the time 
Barefoot Racer, Fred Schaefer, High Voltage Jeff Boehner, Hot Stuff Debbie Roden, Dan Patrick, and the brand, well, I think it's a brand new Samson, pretty much, Bright Red Truck, uh, Bigfoot 7, and Jim Cramer, the movie star truck from Roadhouse, and we've got Evil Force here, Ray Perkowski. We also have four tanks on premises. Stormtrooper with Ricky Rodman. Or, yeah, that's I think that's how you say it, Ricky Rodman. <laughs> Track Attack, Ernie Brookins. Orange Blossom Special, of course, with Alan Gaines. And then we've got Bigfoot Fast Tracks with none other than the man, Bob Chandler, behind the wheel. Uh, a little bit of a history here is the Pontiac for the Pontiac Silverdome. This was the home of the Detroit Lions for the NFL from 1975 to 2002. It actually hosted Super Bowl 16 between the 49ers and the Bengals in 82. And uh, a guy that recently won, I think, the Super Bowl, his name's Tom Brady. You may know him. Just won that. Uh, he debuted here against the Lions in 2000. Then the NBA All-Star Game was held here in 1979. The Detroit Pistons set a single game attendance record at 61,983 against the Boston Celtics and this this uh the stadium actually hosted the game the NBA Finals games 3 through 5 in 1988 Another one that's actually uh between you and me probably one of our favorite wrestling moments March 29th 1987 WrestleMania 3 Pontiac Silverdome set the actual indoor attendance record that was held for a number of years at 93,173 brother Yeah that's what they say um Hulk likes to refer to that event all the time and uh, I don't think there's an interview that goes by where he doesn't at least say one time you know I slammed Andre in the Silverdome brother <laughs> Yeah, that that's uh, definitely one of the biggest moments, and uh, getting that attendance. Uh, what do they call it? A draw uh, or something like that? He mm -hmm. says uh, we could we could draw, uh, draw money or whatever they whatever they say in wrestling. They they got a lot of they got a lot of cool sayings. But um, yeah, I mean ninety three thousand. I mean how can you how can you not brag about that? I guess. Oh yeah, I I would brag about that every single day, just like they brag about they bragged about it for years. Up until they went back to Detroit for Ford Field, I believe. And then uh, after that, it was Dallas when they had over 101,000 people there for a WrestleMania. It's just hard to believe how many people show up to watch a 20 by 20 wrestling ring. It's just so far away, and you're kind of looking in binoculars this big to see two guys that you can barely make out in the ring in little tights. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. We got con concerts here featured The Who, Elvis, Aerosmith, Elton John, Led Zeppelin, Kiss, The Bee Gees, Rolling Stones, The Jacksons, Bruce Springsteen, Van Halen, Pink Floyd, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, U2, you name it. If you were a band, you probably, if you were big, you played in the Silverdome. Uh, an interesting stat I found here, February 27th, 1983, the ASA, American Speed Association, held an asphalt stock car race inside the Dome. The ASA started their national tour in the Dome that year, and this race was actually won by a guy named Butch Miller. Hard to believe they could fit the ASA inside the Pontiac Silverdome with an asphalt dirt or excuse me, an asphalt track. That, that's astonishing to me to read that that they actually spent the time to pave a track and run it in the Silverdome. That's had to be an astronomical cost to be able to do that. Yeah, obviously it, today you don't probably wouldn't make any sense to do that but <clears throat> there was a time when 
maybe they needed facilities and places to go and they they just bit the bullet and said hey you know let's let's put in the asphalt and let's let's rock and roll mm -hmm. it's kind of like a show i did with colby marshall here a little while back where they had talked and actually had uh some dirt cars inside the houston astrodome which was again something i never thought really had happened i i personally hadn't heard of anything like that happening uh, until St. Louis had done it inside the Edward Jones Dome with their circle track they have in December there that they race at. But I've never, like, reading back and seeing some of that old stats, it's hard to believe, it was like I said on that show, it's hard to believe that A.J. Foyt and Jim Cramer share a stat of winning inside the Houston Astrodome. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> and it just shows you how incredible those buildings were, and then for that time. They're multi-purpose uh, buildings, too. That's what's really cool yeah. about them. Yeah, it was it was set up for so many different events, and it really was the star of a lot of these shows was just the facility. Oh, yeah. Speaking of stars, at this event in particular, we have five International Monster Truck and Museum Hall of Fame members in this field. Jim Cramer, Fred Schaefer, Jeff Bainter, Dan Patrick, and, of course, Bob Chandler on this field of trucks here. Um, Bob's actually in the tank, Bigfoot Fast Tracks. We'll get to that later, though. Our announced team, Marty Reed and Mike Galloway, and we're going to get right into it here. We had a bunch of pulling before this, but halfway through it, we finally get to the monster truck racing. And in round one, Jason, we've got high voltage and Samson. Right lane high voltage, left lane Samson. And, man, the camera focuses right on Boehner, who gets a heck of a hole shot here in high voltage. Yeah, I mean, that, that thing uh, would pull a wheelie off the start, you know, if he was doing it. A straight race and I think it, it was almost wheels up here too and I guess what really surprised me looking back at this was the uh, like the slap wheelie that Samson does right oh yeah that slap wheelie was insane for the time period that it's in uh, it kind of does mess up Dan's turn here though the truck bounces so much I actually noticed he bounced all the way over to the left side of the track and being that he's in the left lane it kind of screws him for the corner because now he's entering that corner at a different angle than he probably needs to with that longer wheelbase. Yeah. And it's actually going to end up pushing him wide, but then it doesn't really matter in the end though, because it looks like the truck's steering just completely goes out, probably all related to that bounce that he took. Yeah, definitely didn't expect uh, probably that type of a landing. And, you know, they, they put the two cars there because I think it was probably an easy, um, uh, way to do it at that time they could uh, you know that was the pulling track and i think they're able to really uh just kind of put out the you know the the cars there and it was an easy way to add some obstacles but you know he hit that thing really hard and the front end popped up on him and, and like you said i think that caused a lot of the damage there in the turn and and meanwhile uh high voltage was off huh? Oh, yeah, high voltage, nails the first corner, comes around, hits the cars. Samson never even makes it to the cars. Pretty much a buy run here for Boehner, but it was a good little test session for him here as he goes into the semifinals. The high voltage truck is, in most of these races tonight, seems like it hits the cars and could clear, like the first set of cars anyway, it could clear two or three more cars afterwards. He's hitting these first cars so hard that... uh it actually draws some inspiration for his teammate, Debbie Roden here, who gets ready to take on Fred Schaefer in barefoot. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and this is, um, I don't know how many times this particular barefoot had been shown on television at this point. I think, I want to say maybe they debuted it at, in uh, Missouri there. What is that called? The the Checker Dome? Or, I believe so. I forget yes. what it was. Um, you know, they, I think they deb debuted it there, and I think he was uh, doing a, 
sort of a one-on-one competition with with Kramer there, and that's where the door falls off and all mm-hmm. that, right? Yep. Uh, and so I don't know how many times this truck had been on on television, uh, but it was a lightweight. It went with the turf tires and um, kind of a unique. Uh, at the time, it was a unique truck and kind of his way into racing. This was like we were talking about earlier. This was this was kind of getting starting of the getting out of the good old days and uh, the end of the stage two and the beginning of the um, stage three was just around the corner and uh, yeah I guess that's one other thing I like about the event is, is, is this barefoot truck and and, uh, and you know racing the high voltage and the hot stuff Mm-hmm. Uh, Debbie Roden's actually interviewed here. I believe she's someone that really doesn't get enough credit as being one of the early female influences in monster trucks. And she actually drives this truck really well in this pass here. She gives Fred a run for his money in this pass. Until uh, this early part of this year in 1989, she'd only been doing exhibition shows since the previous summer. Uh, and it really shows that Jeff had put her through the paces and kind of tried to teach her a little bit as to how to drive the truck here. Uh, one thing I would like to point out is the drastic differences between both of these trucks. As you were talking, Fred Schaefer's lightweight barefoot truck, 9,000 to 950 pounds is what they were quoting it as weighing in this particular broadcast. Biggest thing I noticed was the difference in tires that we have here. There is almost a bald tire on barefoot. It's almost like, I'm not going to say a NASCAR tire, but it's a, a fairly flat bald tire taking on Hot Stuff, who has pretty much a full cleated set of good years here. Yeah, that's one of the, you know, sort of the standout features of Fred's truck with those kind of those turf tires. Uh, and, <clears throat> you know, I think that what they say about 400 pounds a piece lighter than, than the full cleat tires. And then, uh, you know, and he tried those for maybe that whole season. I don't know how long it lasted. Uh, I want to say most of 89, He, I think, was running those. And, um, I mean, they were somewhat successful. I don't know if they were amazing. Uh, but it was definitely kind of interesting that he was trying something, and he was definitely going with the weight uh, side of things here. He was really concentrating on the weight. He kind of didn't do the suspension uh, much on this truck. It was more about the weight and the power, uh, and, and it looked like a handful to drive. Oh, yeah, it looked like a handful to drive. One thing to point out about Fred Schaefer is he was not afraid to just completely rebuild or build a new truck just to try something new. There are so many, it's hard mm-hmm. to keep up with how many different styles and looks of barefoot there were in the late 80s. And this is certainly one of them with a completely fiberglass body on the truck, bright blue. Uh, it's very low to the ground. It's definitely what you would consider to be a racer. I'm just not sure that the tire choice here was very good going from dirt and then to concrete. It seems like that truck wants to push wide every single time he makes a corner. And in this race, though, he actually has a dead-even hole shot out of the hole uh, here with Debbie Roden. Debbie actually gets a little bit of a lead on him here, and that's surprising because Barefoot has probably twice the horsepower of that hot stuff truck. Yeah, you know, one thing that Fred always had is is a lot of power, and I think that, uh, you know, that was something with this truck. It was light, had all this power, and you can see when he did that, that uh that two gar- that two car jump there at the beginning when it landed he got back on it it just wants to wheelie yeah it just wanted to take straight off uh yeah what was what really stood out to me was Debbie Roden wasn't afraid she nailed no. those first two cars whereas Fred 
I know Fred probably thought, hey, you know what, this girl in the other lane over here, okay, I'll, I'll take it a little easy. And as soon as he got off of those cars, he was like, wait a minute. And he had to really get on the throttle to catch back up to her going into the corner. The turn hurts Debbie, though. She comes into the turn. She's actually making a good turn. And then I think she straightens out the rear steer just a little too quick, and it causes the truck to push instead of come around the corner like Boehner had done previously with the same wheelbase Jeep that he has in high voltage. Uh, Fred gets the advantage in the corner here, really doesn't look back at that point. Yeah, and, you know, I, like you said, I think he, he you know, he might have looked past this matchup a little bit at first, but, uh, you know, he got it going, and, and Debbie, uh, like you said, man, she was really a good driver and got, you know, a couple shots in different trucks at that time, and mm-hmm. I think she drove uh, the Bigfoot truck um, at the end of 89 here, too, at, at one of their shows. And, uh, you know, great driver. Oh, yeah. The one thing that I noticed here on the replay of this race was the slow motion that they show of Debbie inside the hot stuff truck. Her getting beaten and thrown around. And it's worth if you find this uh, on YouTube anywhere and you want to see something of how old school monster truck suspension is tuned. Watch the video of Debbie Roden right here in Hot Stuff, and you see this slow motion of her just going back and forth and side to side in the cab of Hot Stuff here. It is something to watch, and uh, a little bit later, you're going to see a little bit more of Debbie inside Hot Stuff as she's going to come back as fast loser. Uh, Final race around one here, though, Bigfoot number seven. As I said, the TV star, the old movie star from uh, Roadhouse, I believe a Police Academy movie as well uh, for number seven. Taking on Evil Force, recently renamed Big Toe of Ray Prakowski. Kramer, like I said, this is the revenge show for Kramer. And when he leaves the line here, he, no offense to Ray, pretty much a buy run here for Kramer. He completely takes off and carries probably the most speed of anybody going into that first corner, lifting the right front tire straight up off the ground around it. Yeah, I mean, this is like you said. He 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 kind of had a, a win in his eyes. I think at this particular race, he really want to uh, kind of establish themselves back uh, after you know losing that year before at the the big show uh, to to hot stuff. And you know, he he jumped on it here with seven, and and I think he's also feeling out the track. I don't know that they had qualifying or anything like that. Uh, so this uh, also difficult. Getting your first run, I would imagine it's tough in the, the RC trucks to get the first run. I couldn't imagine what it's like in a real truck making a run without a, a practice. Oh yeah, and my my goodness, Kramer carries so much speed into the corner here. I honestly had forgotten how much speed he carries into that first corner. Uh, the truck uh, comes around that corner, hits those cars very well. Kramer's suspension soaks it up. They kind of cut away a little bit, and then when they come back, Bigfoot's way wide. Like, there's some, for some yeah. reason, that truck just takes a really way long, wide corner. And I don't know if he was practicing to get a run at the straightaway here to try to get to the finish or what. But uh, Big Toe does come back, but it doesn't. It, it makes it a closer race than probably what it should have been. Uh, Kramer, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what he was feeling out there. It's something that we may have to discuss with Kramer one of these days and be like, Hey, Jim, by the way, remember Pontiac 89? Quick question. <laughs> yeah, he'll be like, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Uh, to me, it just looks like, oh, hey, you know, this turn's coming up a lot quicker than I thought. Um, you know, I'm sure you hit those cars, and you're, you're hit, he hits them pretty hard, and I'm sure you're you're thinking, all right, what's next? And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, back to the turn. And that's what I was kind of wondering is if it felt more like a feel-out practice uh, lap there, too. But 
Um, that's why I yeah, said, that's no. why I thought maybe he considered it a little bit of a buy run. I mean, the weight difference between these two trucks here is incredible. With the tow towing mechanism still on the back of Evil Force here, <laughs> that's going to add easily a ton of weight to this machine. And no offense, the suspension on Evil Force versus the suspension on Bigfoot Seven here, just looking at the the two trucks on the starting line really shows you exactly the story here between them. I mean, I don't think anybody expected Ray Perkowski to come out and beat Bigfoot here, but like I said, Jim kind of does make it close at the line here with his long arc coming around that last turn. Yeah, absolutely, and um, I guess one thing that was kind of interesting is going back to uh, Evil Force, and like you said, before it was Big Toe, and, you know, kind of going back to, uh, you know, when you had to have a big truck, and that was part of uh, being in the business was having your own I don't know, whatever it is, your own gimmick, you know, which was, for him, was the tow truck, and maybe him seeing a little bit into the future here, he started doing a name change because he felt like, hey, I'm not going to be able to run this tow truck body set up very long, and maybe a little bit of um, moving forward on his part of, of the name change because I, I'm sure he's seeing, hey, down the road, I'm not going to be able to do this, and I'm going to have to take on a little different identity. Uh, just kind of a little transitional period here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, one thing that we talked about in a previous podcast uh, between the USHRA and TNT, TNT was more focused on race-based competition, where USHRA was really selling you the spectacle. And I think guys like Ray Perkowski were out there basically trying to make a truck that would appeal to everybody. And honestly, at this point, I think people might be looking over at the the black and green gravedigger truck for an example as one of those trucks that really just looking at it you know it's going to sell something i think perkowski's trying to come up with different ideas here and eventually he'll come up with invader and that'll be his big idea and he'll start making some money with the invader name but here i don't know the, the name changed from big toe to evil force is a little weird to me i think when you've got a giant tow truck mechanism still on the back of your truck maybe wait till you get another truck <laughs> before you change the name that's just my opinion on that yeah definitely a little bizarre and um <clears throat> but yeah like you said uh the t and the, the difference between tnt and ushra at that point um you know and getting booked for these different events and what promoter that you ran with and I mean, I always look at this and I'm like, man, wouldn't it have been cool to see this uh, high voltage and this barefoot on TNT? And, uh, Some of the biggest what-if questions in monster truck racing history right there. For me, it's always been, what if Excalibur was in TN or TNT? That could have been something really cool to see. This barefoot in TNT against Equalizer in 89? Oh my goodness, imagine that matchup. Yeah, I think what would have happened is... Um, I. To me, barefoot would have been the in this configuration could have been like the the USA one where he's either going to flip or he's going to have a great race or you know to me that that would have been this truck would have been crashed a lot doing those kind of events but because of this power to weight ratio he's running here in zero suspension basically. Oh yeah. Uh, we get into round two here. Barefoot coming back here in the right lane, taking on high voltage. Boehner and Schaefer is going to... This is, this is kind of one of those matchups where you're like, okay, I, I really want to see this one because you know neither of these guys are going to lift. Uh, as these trucks are lining up, Marty Reed actually says the winner goes on to face Bigfoot 
I think he forgot there was another semifinal here. But anyway, uh, second semi, or excuse me, first semifinal here. Uh, and this is where they actually mentioned the weight of barefoot, about 9,500 pounds, excuse me. Fred easily considered the favorite by Mike Galloway in this race. As they leave the line, it's pretty even, a slight edge to barefoot. Barefoot's again conservative over the cars, while right here you see Jeff Boehner just absolutely launch it and could probably clear five cars, maybe four or five cars at least, uh, when he lands right here, and he gets a considerate lead on uh, barefoot. Yeah, he does, and uh, he's very aggressive over that that opening set of cars, which to me would have been very difficult to decide what to do there. I mean, he just launches it. I mean, he's just, uh, like you said, he probably could have cleared five of them. Uh, barefoot, nice jump, but, you know, he gets on it, and the thing's wanting to wheelie, kind of leads into the turn. Uh, but, you know, this these turn tracks, especially with two... 180s like this really favored the the jeeps yeah it's interesting that uh, when barefoot lands like you said it wants to pop up into a wheel stand you wouldn't think with as much horsepower as that truck had and with as bald of tires as that truck had that it would want to pop the front end up like that but it certainly does here and uh, whenever it gets to the actual car stack out of the corner it, it he does exactly that he lands on the cars pops that truck straight up into the air in a big wheel stand the fans are getting treated to some wheelies tonight, especially from Samson in round one, barefoot here with the rebound wheel stand that eventually costs, uh, I believe, costs Fred the race here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I, I've seen another video uh, of this of, of this event that was filmed, um, I think, by the Bigfoot guys. And um, you could see how in, in the video you could see that the uh, – the battle between Bigfoot and Barefoot was very intense because um, the person videoing or watching, I think there was somebody mic'd up, and then when they were watching this, you could hear on the video that uh, when he did this big wheel stand, they're like, "It's done. He's 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 not you know he's not going to win it." And you could tell by the way they were talking, watching it, and they're you know the, what they were saying that you know once this thing popped up, they're like, "Oh, he's done. He's not going to be able." to beat the jeep here mm -hmm. and uh honestly i think they might have been breathing a small sigh of relief at that point in the bigfoot camp but at the same time yeah he he may have lost but he just lost to the guy that spanked us the year before yeah absolutely they're thinking um you know we'd rather lose to the jeep than to fred so uh let the, let the jeep move on and uh put fred on the trailer i think was their mindset at that particular time mm-hmm on the replay of the race here, we do see a little bit better angle of how close it was when they got to the second set of cars. Because in, in the actual race, they kind of cut away a little bit. It's hard to actually tell who's who's leading here when they hit the cars. Uh, when you look through Schaefer's tires, you can see high voltage has actually landed on the cars as Fred is jumping. So it's not like high voltage just took the lead over the car stack. High voltage already had the lead coming out of the corner. So Fred, even when he landed and popped the front tires up into the air, he was still behind at that point. Yeah, and the other thing that I notice uh, with all this is how deep these guys actually go in these turns because I think there's just a cone that represents actually where the turn is. And where Fred actually turns, I mean, he's so far past that cone um, you know, and obviously being inside and having that the trucks the way they're running, 
they're really running deep in these in these corners, uh, and I'm sure when they maybe when they go back and look at them later in, in the videos, they're probably thinking, "Man, what was I doing here?" Yeah, I'm I'm sure Fred Schaefer really wanted to see some video of this event because, like we said, he was trying something radic drastically different here on this truck. Uh, what, what surprises me about the barefoot truck here, uh, we're not going to get to talk about it again because it's out of the competition after this point, but the grip that those tires had, again, even on the concrete, you could see is pushing this truck out wide. And I think once Fred saw video of this and maybe a few other races, he was probably like, you know what, maybe I should go back to Goodyear's. Yeah, you know, just the, the turf tires just did not, not you know, want to grip there and... And, you know, they, they were very pushy. There was another event they did in Minneapolis where him and Kramer collided. Mm -hmm. yep. And uh, you, that truck wanted to push bad there, too, with those tires. So that was obviously definitely something about that truck, the overall weight, the, the tires, and the power, I think, just made the truck want to push. Exactly. Uh, next semifinal here, though, Bigfoot right lane, left lane, Debbie Roden and Hot Stuff. Rematch of the previous year's first round right here. Just a different driver behind the wheel of Hot Stuff. And uh, Debbie Roden has a wild first hit. Yeah, she uh, sends it off that first stack kind of like Jeff was doing with high voltage, but this time her she lands and her whole helmet falls off. Yeah, her helmet falls off and actually lands in the back of the Hot Stuff Jeep here. <laughs> and give this woman some credit. With no helmet on, she finishes this pass and she does so with gusto. She comes around the corner here. Obviously, Kramer's in the lead at this point. Really has a flawless turn, by the way, for Bigfoot. And uh, this is where we kind of see Kramer kind of jumping and getting into a groove here. You see Kramer jump and land left front tire on the tailgate of that last car. And he'll do this the rest of the night. Land right straight on that tailgate, and he'll get that tire up right into that, pot, that body. And you can see the damage on the side of the truck, too, when the uh, left front keeps popping up into the body here of Bigfoot. But I still got to I got to give a hand to Debbie Roden for finishing the tr the race, even though it probably wasn't the safest thing to do to go out there and hit that second set of cars with no helmet on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just driving those jeeps in general was uh, not probably an easy task or or safe <laughs> because of the way that that uh, roll cage was on there. I can't imagine that thing being super effective. But uh, yeah, and then and then taking it a step further and just doing it with no helmet racing against the, the Bigfoot guys here was pretty incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, she showed exactly why she got picked to put in that truck, really, because she, she held it to the floor, and she didn't care. I mean, she has lost the race at this point and still wanted to go out and put on a show, and you can respect that in any motorsport when something like that happens. Maybe, though, probably should have stopped the truck and reached in the back, got the helmet, and put it back on. But still, you got to show some respect to Debbie Roden here, and honestly, probably her breakout event as far as I'm concerned. Then we finally get oh, yeah. to the final round here. This is the rematch, and as Army Armstrong, this this is what they all come to see, Army. Bigfoot right lane and high voltage in the left. Kramer and Baintner. Kramer and Baintner. I, I can never say his name right. <laughs> uh, Kramer has, has got to be thinking about last year's embarrassing loss in round one as soon as they start pulling to the line here. And uh, Boehner, brand new Jeep, high voltage is probably the best Jeep that he ever built. Let's be honest here. High, hot stuff is cool, but it's more of a stage one style truck. He's got a little bit different suspension setup here in this high voltage Jeep. And truthfully, it probably corners a little bit better than hot stuff, at least in my opinion. Yeah, and I, and I think he upped the power 
range here on this mm-hmm. thing. I, you know, this high voltage, there's a reason why he took it and then, um, you know, bumped the other one uh, to Debbie. But uh, I think this truck was more powerful, and um, that's why he's driving it. And like you said, I think little improvements. And, you know, I, I think at this point he was feeling like, you know, he wanted to put Kramer on the trailer here again. And, uh, you know, and I, I would be a little concerned, you know, uh, going into these events because having those two turns uh, definitely is a, is a good advantage uh, for, the, for the Jeeps. Yeah, and, the shorter wheelbase uh, Jeeps have a, a huge advantage on these tighter corners. And uh, as I put in my notes here, I, it, even as they're pulling to the line, I would have considered high voltage the actual favorite to win this race just because of those two really tight corners and that truck being able to get out of those corners and just scoot away from everybody it had in the previous rounds. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching this as a kid thinking, being a little concerned about it for sure. And uh, and I think one thing that uh, kind of stood out to me here is, is uh, Jim didn't take this very lightly for sure, and he, he tried to get out of the, out of the gates quick in this, in this race because of that yeah uh, he got out of the gate quick here but it was still slight hole shot to Boehner in uh, high voltage as they hit the cars though this is where I think you see uh, hot stuff or excuse me high voltage kind of it backs up just a little bit it doesn't do the previous big air sky launch that it did before it ta- he ta- takes it easy over this car stack right here and that just allows Bigfoot to jump out to about a two and a half truck length lead Uh, with Kramer going into the corner and, again, carrying so much speed with Bigfoot 7 here into this corner. Yeah, this is kind of Kramer in his element, I think. This was uh, maybe peak Jim Kramer in a Stage 2 truck. Just He really had a lot of wheel time and um, kind of the green light to do whatever he wanted. And he really, um, you know, manhandled these, these trucks. And, you know, starting with... Once he landed off of that first stack, the two cars, he jumped on it, and then he was all over the turns here too. He he would he'd like to pick that inside wheel up if he could, and then uh, he was trying to get that smooth landing on the set of cars, I think, uh, because that really sets you up for that final turn, uh, which I'm sure he knew would be the the factor, you know that the the jeep would be creeping in there. Mm-hmm, uh, yep. Uh, we get a close-up here of Bigfoot flying over the second set, and if you kind of peek under the tires, you can see that Maynard has yet to hit the second set of cars. So for the first time all night, Maynard's beaten out of the corner. So he knows he's behind down this straightaway. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, uh, and that kind of goes back to, I'm, I'm, I think, Jim really taking it seriously there and really trying to get off to a, a really good... Uh, start on that straight section, nail on that first corner, and he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this guy away this time." Yep, and that's exactly what he does. We get to the second corner here. Uh, they're they're a little closer than what you probably would have thought after yep. the exit of the first corner. Boehner does come back, but he's about in the middle of the corner as Bigfoot is exiting to come and take the win. Uh, Jim Cramer gets a little bit of revenge, but it, he doesn't have an easy pass here against Jeff Boehner. I don't think he, that Bigfoot ever had an easy pass against Jeff Boehner. From what I've heard, Bigfoot spent quite a bit of money to just try to keep up with those little Jeeps. Yeah, absolutely. I think they knew that, uh, especially in these tracks, the USHRA stuff where it had a lot of turns, 
and you know I think that you know they obviously weren't about to make a truck specifically short wheelbase to compete in these little tighter tracks and just knew they had to do it in other ways and and uh, be a little crafty and, and really just a better overall approach versus just kind of throwing all your eggs in that short wheelbase basket I guess mm-hmm uh, we're not done yet, though, Jason. We've got the tank trucks here as well. Track Attack and the right lane going to take on Stormtrooper. Uh, honestly, this was the first only, and I think last time I ever saw Stormtrooper, period, running. Uh, track Attack, though, does exactly what the name suggests. It attacks this track in a big way right here. Uh, gets a big jump and lands pretty hard after that first set of cars. I've seen this a few recent clips here, some old school stuff, and you see tank trucks just taking these landings straight onto the dirt. Like there's there's no suspension give whatsoever for a tank truck, and you almost you cringe almost every single time you see this because you know that there's got to be a shock in that vertebrae when those tanks land as hard as what Track Attack does right here over these uh, first set of cars. Yeah, he sends it off of this thing, and really in a race that I think really didn't need it to be. I mean, I think he had kind of Stormtrooper covered here regardless. Yeah, Stormtrooper's uh, a little slow out of the gate, and actually Track Attack, when he launches here, just to compare, he's got a rival jump here to say what hot st- excuse me, high voltage was having out there with the rubber-tired truck. Yeah, he's like four or five cars out there. Yeah, no offense to Stormtrooper here, though. Track Attack pretty much walks away with it until the landing off the second set of cars. All of a sudden, they cut away, and you see that Track Attack is way off, almost in the pits, off to the left-hand side here. And Track Attack, it's almost like uh, the tortoise and the hare kind of thing here. Is here comes Stormtrooper coming around the corner, and all of a sudden, Track Attack's got to back up, spin around, and come across the line, and... I mean, within an inch, all of a sudden, this race goes from a blowout to a photo finish at the line with Track Attack just, I mean, barely hanging on. Yeah, I think what, as you're watching this, you're like, just back across the line. Just yeah, just back, back across up. The line. <laughs> yeah, just keep backing up. I mean, I till this day, I remember thinking as a kid, just, oh, he's going to back up across the line, and even Galloway talks about it. Um, yeah, Galloway but, mentions it, but I don't think he could actually see like where he's going to do so but at the same time he has enough time to spin it around and still win by an inch of a tire tread i know he turned he has to turn around backwards he sees the other truck and has to make like a couple uh joystick uh turns here to get the thing kind of straight to go across the line and he gets it done yeah he gets it done but i believe that after that second set of car hit uh, he might have hurt something on that track attack truck because that first loop around the track is a very fast pass. I mean, he's yeah. on on it to be a rival for Bigfoot Fast Tracks or Orange Blossom Special later with how fast he's around that first half of the track. Second half, though, when he when he does get back on the throttle, it does seem like he's not as hard on the vehicle. And when he gets to the final, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Fast tracks here, though. Bigfoot, Bob Chandler. He actually he gets announced as Mike Dubes, as, or excuse me, Dan Dubes, as the driver. As Marty Reed says that, and then uh, a graphic quickly shows Bob Chandler as the driver, and Mike Galloway says, "Oh, hey, we've got a driver here. Driver change behind the wheel." Now it's Bob Chandler, 
against Alan Gaines. And when you hear the Orange Blossom special coming to the line and you see all this train smoke coming off the truck, there's your spectacle right there. This is, without a shadow of a doubt, one of my favorite tank trucks of all time just for the spectacle of seeing it. Yeah, and I think, you know, it, what's really strange is that he decided to build a, a a tank vehicle because this guy obviously was super talented and amazing pulling trucks, had a lot of the licensing deals and toy deals back in the day with everybody uh, that were had a big name, but he went, he went with this kind of this tank uh, train look and... I'm sure it had a nice little run in terms of pe people wanting to see it. Um, and But I, I'm sure after he drove this thing a few times, he was just like, man, this isn't for me. Yeah, I mean, it's heavy, and it doesn't land very well at all. But what surprises me here is he's out of the hole with Fast Tracks, and Fast Tracks is known for having two, I believe, two motors in the back of the truck, or excuse me, the tank. I keep saying trucks because we're a monster truck podcast, but we're talking tanks here. Uh, there's two motors in the back of Fast Tracks here directly behind Bob Chandler, and man, that tank, even for a tank, even when we're talking about tanks and having hard suspension, Bigfoot seemed to have the truck, the, the tank figured out. Yeah, they bought this thing. From I think the guy's name was Lauren Frere, and uh, they converted it, put two Ford uh, blown 460s in it, uh, and uh, <clears throat> kind of bigfooted the thing out a little bit. Yep. And for the guy that started the rubber tire truck class, really, you know, I think him uh, getting this uh, what they call an armored personnel carrier was kind of a big step. You know, they kind of I guess they kind of thought that this this fad was going to last a little longer and they needed to get in it and they could book something. Exactly. I mean, when you look at this <laughs> tank, too, I mean, there's some old footage of them driving it out by out in a creek bed and just watching this thing go through the creek bed is, is astonishing as well, just seeing how, how cool it looks out there. Uh, I kind of wish the tank fab would have stuck around a little bit longer myself. I mean, if they could have dialed those things in, that could have been a heck of a class to watch in, in, in and of itself. It would have gave Monster Trucks its own, I mean, its own side act in a sense, as you would have tanks and then the trucks. And one thing I always liked, and what we'll talk about here in a little bit, is the tank and truck final that they would do at the end of the night. It was different. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Anyway, into the first corner here, Bob Chandler actually has quite a bit of an advantage uh, on the Orange Blossom special. I don't think that Alan Gaines was expecting the landing that he got with OBS here. And that truck, that thing landed a ton. But we go into the last turn here. This is this is what makes this race is this last turn. Yet again, second t tank race in a row, second last turn debacle. Bigfoot spins out. And then here comes Orange Blossom special out of nowhere, just whips that tank around and completely spins out 180 degrees. Bigfoot's not spun out to the point where it's completely out of the race. It's still facing kind of towards the finish line. Orange Blossom Special just sends it into this corner and almost does a half donut. Yeah, just what's funny, and then he just really gives up on the race and goes and parks it. Yeah, I think at and that point he was like, all right, Bob's probably crossed the finish line by now. And in reality, yeah. by the time he's parked, that's when Chandler finally fires back up and comes across the line. Yeah, like uh, Bob kind of does a spin here. He gets it kind of corrected and then I think the 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 whole thing stalls and you can see the thing I don't know if it backfires or something there's some kind of 
flames that come out of this thing um, when they're either trying to start it back up or something. Yeah, right there out of the headers. Uh, and that's when, uh, you know, Orange Blossom, he just goes right to the house and uh, Bob kind of corrects it and goes across for the win and <clears throat> then they get, get into the finals. Oh, yeah. Final round here, track attack and Bigfoot fast tracks. Whole shot to Bigfoot here. Uh, and when track attack lands, I believe it's like the third gear on the inside there that turns those big tracks. You can kind of see it move. When it lands, it moves towards, like it moves back on the vehicle. Yep. And you it just the rest of the race, track attack is playing catch up at that point. I don't think that it's getting quite the power that it was before. Because if it was, this was going to be one heck of a race between these two drivers right here. Uh, like I said, unfortunately, it looks like track attack was broken at the very beginning of this pass. Yeah, he got the he made that big landing, and the, those wheels got kind of caught up in there, and it, and then it kind of corrected itself. But like you said, it maybe didn't perform quite as well as it did uh, earlier because uh, that very first jump it did was a little almost looked a little damaging. Yep, I agree. Uh, I think actually maybe it was damaged in the previous round. Because yeah. when it when it gets back on the throttle after almost completely spinning out, you, ju you just don't see the, what it had on that initial hole shot against Stormtrooper. Right. Yeah, and uh, Bob kind of covers him out of the hole, and then that and he gets uh, track attack gets the big launch and uh, gets uh, the wheels kind of um, broken up on that side, and and then it kind of settles back and and he kind of gets back on it, starts running, but. By then, it was just a little bit too late. and Too little too uh, late you know, at that point. Yeah, Bob was laying it down. And which kind of always impressed me was, uh, you know, then thinking back now is Bob didn't do a lot of racing. But uh, when he drove this fast tracks, he always, he was a good racer. Yeah, he loved to drive this fast tracks, too. He says it in the Bigfoot 25th anniversary uh, VHS tape that I wore out <laughs> years ago. I mean, you can see his excitement, and like you mentioned the tank, it almost like there's a twinkle in his eye whenever you mention that tank. Yeah, it seems like uh, for some reason he really liked driving this thing, uh, and, you know, it, it almost was probably one of those things was like, you know, he, he loved the trucks, he started the truck, really the truck division, but uh, when he drove this thing, he kind of fell in love with it. That he did. And uh, right here, it's employee versus boss as we get Bigfoot number seven in the right lane taking on Bigfoot fast tracks in the left lane. Uh, one of the rare occasions you would see Bigfoot come out to actually race a tracked vehicle. I think it helped because it was a Bigfoot branded track vehicle that he was racing. Uh, there were several instances in the late 80s where you would see Bigfoot win and then just completely disappears. We talked about in the Houston 87 episode, Barefoot loses in the final, but it is the truck that comes back to take on the tank because, rumor has it, Bigfoot wanted absolutely anything to do with it. Yeah, my guess is what they didn't want to happen there is the the tank show them up. And uh, I, I'm sure that was the hesitation, was they needed to see these things run and really make sure that they could beat them. Uh, because at that time it was important to keep that winning tradition and uh, they didn't want these kind of hybrid-like vehicles to come out and show them up uh, when they were kind of the, the kings of the show. And I would guess that had a lot to do with it. Yep. Uh, like we said, though, here, Jim Cramer, Bob Chandler, 
owner versus driver, friend versus friend, blue versus blue, Ford versus Ford, tires <laughs> versus tank, you name it, it's probably a good way to describe this one. It's on the line here. And um, they had tried to get this going several times before this event. Uh, they referenced that a few times where earlier in the year in Anaheim, they tried to get this matchup, and uh, I think the tank was overheating. Uh, they never quite um, had the matchup uh, perfect like they did at this event, and it kind of seemed like, I guess that's the feeling I get of this show, is where you're really, things are coming to a close on a certain era of of monster trucks in a, in a sense, and these guys were kind of the kings of this era, and, um, you know, they were still at this particular time you're talking about 89 I, I think this is the end of 89 so I want to say this is actually, right around the corner I want to say this is like February 89 okay so this is early yeah. early 89 so so Bigfoot 8 is in the um, in the design stage they know there's another era coming uh, they got kind of this in-between era with the tanks and the personnel carriers uh, you got Jim you know kind of still at his peak powers here at the Stage 2 truck, and they finally got this matchup to kind of go down between uh, Jim and, and Bob. The one thing that, that stands out to me in this race is Bigfoot 7 gets quite the leave on Bob Chandler here. Uh, 7 jumps out to about a three-quarter length truck uh, lead as they hit the cars, but this is where the tank kind of comes back a little bit. The tank has the advantage of just driving straight through the car stack, whereas foot is up in the air and bouncing over the cars. This that was the advantage of the tanks. That was what was always, they'd always harp on on TV with the tank trucks. Instead of getting air over the the cars, they would just drive straight through them, and that's what Bob does right here. Yeah, and and I think you know I think there's a little showmanship going on here too because I think Jim. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know how they started these things, whether it was with a flag or a light, or how they were starting these races back then. But I wouldn't be surprised that Jim took off a little early here, uh, or Bob took off a little late uh, to kind of make this uh, a little more dramatic. Uh, but like you said, they get through that that set of cars, and and Jim actually kind of checks up nicely with the truck, and kind of gets a nice landing. Uh, for a stage two, and like you said, Bob kind of drives through them and makes up a little bit of time uh, right away, and then they get into the turn, and you can see Kramer is all over the turn here. He's 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 bound and determined to make a, a good turn. He's off the pulling track trying to get wide enough to get that entrance that he's looking for. And to get that and hit the exit that he's looking for out of the corner to hit those cars exactly the way he did, had done previously. Again, perfect jump from Kramer. Launches onto the cars, left front on the tailga or tailgate of the last car. Scoots right off of it. Seven's got a little bit of a lead here as they go into the final corner. Um, Chandler, I think, has a shot to win into the corner. When you watch him go into the corner... Bob kind of hits the brakes. You see the tank start to slide, and then he gets back on the throttle maybe a hair of a second too early, and it causes that tank to push and wash out just a little bit. Had he stayed on the brakes, that thing was going to whip right around and come right around that corner and just fly past Bigfoot 7 here. But that doesn't happen. On the exit of the corner, they are dead even. Bigfoot 7 
is rear, rear steers cranked, front steers cranked to the right, trying to get around this corner and go to the finish line. I don't know exactly what happens to fast tracks, though, because if you watch, he's got a little bit of a lead, and then it seems like the truck, I don't know if it lays down or if he just doesn't have where he the feel that he needs to get back on the throttle or what, but it's almost like fast track stalls a little bit on the exit, and that's when Kramer just puts on the afterburners, hits the NOS button, and says bye. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Um, I, first of all, I think this is Jim's best run of the night. Yeah, I agree he, with you. He, and, he, and he needed it to um, to beat this uh, fast tracks, the personnel carrier, because he got the two 180s, uh, the, the two tough turns. But, um, you know, I, I think there's a couple theories out there that uh, Bob might have uh, backed up, you know, hesitated on that throttle a little bit there. Um, because he, he, he wanted the rubber tire truck to win. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, either here or there, I think Jim actually had a really good run and in this in this particular final round, and, and uh, I think he got the win. I think he would have got the win regardless here of how that little hesitation went with the tracks, but it would have went down to a video camera, that's for sure. Yeah, it definitely would have went down to a photo finish line camera shot, and they didn't really have those at USHRA events other than the camera angle that they had right there. Uh, one, I think some of those, uh, like some fans have talked in year, years after this event how, oh, you know, maybe Bob cut off a little bit just for the rubber tire truck to win. I think a lot of that comes from the interview afterwards here because they basically, Mike Galloway just says, here's, here's the microphone, here's the replay, you guys talk. And as soon as you see Bigfoot leave, Bigfoot Seven leave the line, Bob quickly says, "Oh, well, he jumped the gun." Yeah, and yeah, that's what you don't know is how they started these races. Was it a flag? Was it a light? And mm-hmm. you know, did did Jim actually just say, "All right, I'm taking off"? And uh, yeah, you don't really know, but it actually worked out pretty well. And that's where these guys were the king of these shows uh, back then. They could kind of do what they wanted. Um, they were the sh- they were the uh, stars. You know, and you got the two main guys, Bob and Jim here, and then you, of course, you got Mike Galloway, who was obviously, um, to me, him and Army were my favorite announcers. I liked Galloway's uh, input on stuff. He yeah, Galloway was started. really good at play-by-play commentary, just like Army was. Yeah, and he started. Uh, you know, he obviously starred in some of the or the Bigfoot King of the Monster Trucks too, or the original one, and, and did such a good job, but. Uh, yeah, you know, you can see the, the Bigfoot guys did a little parade here, um, waving to the crowd. And, you know, to me, this is um, kind of the end of the good old days. I kind of feel like this was, um, you know, they had all these these combined events, and uh, these guys were the, the kings of it. And this is probably their peak powers here um, in terms of, you know, kind of the Ford backing, you know, the, the Ford-looking truck, uh stock looking body and um you know and from this moment on towards later in the year and then into 90 things really change mm-hmm. uh, after this event in particular we see the little hints of bigfoot eight starting to come along from the bigfoot organization you see bigfoot four is actually being repurposed and it's still competing, but every single time it would come back, they'd make a little bit of a change here, a little bit of a change here, a little bit of a change here, and that's what ended up making that truck particularly really the king of the Stage 2 trucks back in the day. Um, 
what one la- one last thing I want to point out here too in that interview was uh, as they come around the last corner and you see Bob says, "Oh, here's where I slowed up to let Jim win." I think that's yeah. another thing that adds on to the, the fan thing. Well, you know, Bob let him win. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, he they kind of talking uh, very freely here in this interview, and and I think trying to be a little funny, and also kind of knowing that uh, this was kind of their show. Uh, they could kind of do what they wanted, and and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a great. This was a great moment, I think, and just being in the 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 Silver Dome, having the the fast tracks and Bigfoot Seven race each other at this time, and it didn't happen that many times. And the way that this worked out is kind of a cool track layout in a way, and uh, then having. Uh, you know, barefoot there, having the the jeeps, uh, you know, and then I'm being able to get the get the win here, really in both classes. It was just kind of a shining moment, I think. Yeah, it was it was a shining moment for Bigfoot all around, and I think that uh, Jim Cramer really had the laser focus here going into this particular event. Uh, for number one, he wanted to annihilate those jeeps. And number two, I think the icing on the cake, whenever he saw Bob win, he was like, all right, here we go. This is going to be a good little uh, race right here. Uh, like I said, like we said, he cuts his best lap of the night in the final against the tank. Uh, probably his second best lap is the final against Jeff Boehner, where he just he gets out on Boehner. And honestly, Boehner is the one playing catch-up in that race who you wouldn't have thought would be the one playing catch-up, especially after the way he had been launching those car stacks. Uh, Boehner was surprising to me in his final round against Kramer, just for the fact that he didn't really attack that track like he had previous. And I'm not saying that he didn't, that he laid up or anything like that. He may have had an issue with that truck. We don't know. But for some reason in that final, it just didn't seem like he was attacking the track like Kramer had done the entire night. Yeah, the only thing I had thought of is maybe he was trying a little bit of a different approach. He was like, well, I'm not going to be able to sky this out and start bouncing. And I think maybe he was really trying to stay a little lower uh, and then uh, really kind of kill the turns. And he, I think he thought that that was going to be the way to the win. But like you said, you don't really know. You don't know if there was any issues, but uh, that's kind of how I always took it watching Watching it is, uh, like you said, you don't, when you're there, these races come up fast. You can only think about it in your head. There's nobody's showing you an iPhone video, right? Like yeah, saying, like instant hey, replay. check this yeah, yeah, hey, check this out. You know, you're just kind of doing it, and it comes up fast. And you probably have to make little uh, decisions uh, between your races of how you're going to approach things. And, um, you know, that's kind of what stands out to me about kind of these good old days. One thing that jumps into my mind, me and you say that, is what did it take for them to bring down and be able to review that race in front of both Bob and Jim, in front of uh, the rubber tired truck, when they're interviewing him, did they have to like wheel a tele? Was it like old school when you were a kid and you'd see him wheel the TV into the room and get all excited because you're watching a movie? I wonder if it was like that for those guys, where they're wheeling a TV out just so they could see that final round race with each other. The video that I've seen of this, where uh, that's Bigfoot's video, and they had tons of people at this event too. By the way, there was oh you can the see them walking around the entire event. Yeah. Yeah, so you have two you have two vehicles, you have two drivers, then they had Dan Dan Dubes. Uh, John Pyant was here, he was crewing for Kramer. And then I think 
there was either one or two camera guys. So that was their crew here, which was huge. Uh, what is that, five or six people? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something like that. And so the video that I saw is you can kind of see the equipment that they bring out because they're filming behind uh, where uh, Galloway, uh, Bob, and Jim are. So you can kind of see like a little monitor, uh, like a little TV that they're showing them. But it's like you're saying, it's not like as simple as like it would be today. Like they're actually having to – they had to bring some pretty – some equipment uh, over to them to, to show them that replay and kind of get that moment that they were looking for there. Oh, yeah. I mean, today you walk over. Here's an instant video on my iPhone or my Samsung that I just took of your finish at the RC Monster Truck Race. Today yeah. it's – or excuse me, back then it was, all right, let's get a television, let's get a camera, let's get a corded microphone yep. <laughs> to, to our announcer and have him go out on the floor and do the interview. Uh, all in all, though, man, this is just another USHRA spectacle with six top monster trucks, four tanks, and honestly, a wild racing show. This this was everything you could ask for, as far as I'm concerned, for a USHRA spectacle in the 80s. And like you said, this was the end of the era as far as uh, some of this stuff goes. Uh, this particular event, I agree with you on that. Uh, man, man. I mean, I don't know what you else you could rate this other than maybe a 7 or an 8 on the scale of 1 to 10 because it, it, the production value is there, the announcing is there, they keep you excited throughout the entire event, and then just some of these... It, one more thing, too. An end of an era as far as how close the cameramen could be to these trucks as well <laughs> uh, because some of these shots you're not going to see again in, after 89, and that's guys that are standing so close to those cars and you're able to see... Uh, one famous shot is number seven. The first time it hits the car is coming down and you see that tire get up into the body. That's as close as you're probably ever going to get to that. Yeah. They, the, the freedom they had in those days and really they got pretty lucky, uh, with, um, the injuries or any incidents in those days. Um, <clears throat> but they got the shot and, and honestly, there was a lot, uh, to making this popular with getting that shot. Uh, you know, you know, getting getting those camera angles was pretty critical to these early days and showing what was going on. And it would be really nice if we could get them today. But the the speed of the trucks and the the way they act today, you just couldn't do it. But um, in these days, it, it just seemed it just seemed like it the the pacing and the ability to get a little closer was a a, a little more realistic and. They captured it there, and um, <laughs> I think we talked about it before, but there was uh, that, that shot of Kramer jumping where the tire gets into the body. That's the one that appeared on uh, – a photo of that appeared on Facebook. Yeah, I've um, seen the photo that you're speaking so of. Ago. It's, it's just perfect, and it, it's of that jump where the tire gets into the body and just got Kramer out the window. It's just the perfect photo. Yeah. I mean, there are, there's so much going on in that particular photo, too, as well. This was before they had the self-centering rear steer, so the truck's cockeyed in the air. The front tires are not facing the same direction as the rear tires. Uh, it's hard to imagine that, I mean, drivers nowadays would have a struggle driving that particular Bigfoot truck back then. Jim Cramer makes it just look like easy as pie behind the mm -hmm. wheel here, and 
kudos to the man. He is like like uh, Colby had said in a previous episode. He is the goat as far as the early Monster Truck series and Monster Truck racing goes. I agree with him one hundred percent as far as uh, Jim Cramer probably being the best driver out of the eighties. Oh yeah, I mean that was <clears throat> that he owned that period of time and. He was the most aggressive. He's the one that probably had the biggest green light, and then he had the best control. And um, you know, nothing like uh, uh, nothing against anybody else, but that's uh, that was he kind of owned it, and I think that was pretty pretty special. That it was. Hey everybody! Uh, again, this has been the Retro Monster Truck Review. Jason, anything you'd like to talk about before we end the show here? I don't think so. I just enjoy doing these, looking back at some of these uh, old famous events and uh, picking up on things you just you don't see. You know, every time you watch one of these things, there's something you always see that you didn't before, mm-hmm. and and it's just a it's a good opportunity. And uh, thanks for having me on to do it. Hey man, anytime you have an open invitation to come back to this show. Uh, if you think of another event, shoot me a message. We'll get it. We'll get it done. We'll get it set up. Uh, until then, though, guys, like I said, this has been another episode of the Retro Monster Truck Review. I've been ending these with a Richard Leak quote. We'll see you guys again on the tracks across America. <laughs>